Let's turn to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and tonight we're going to take our message from the first part of this chapter, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and as you're turning, let me just remind you to stay plugged in, stay faithful, things are, have been a little bit different the last few months, and it's easy to uh, get away from the habit uh, being where we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to do it, and at the end of the first Sunday of September, we'll start back with Sunday school, and uh, it has been a little while since we've started that early, and so don't, don't allow yourself to be too lazy that you can't get here for Sunday school at 9.45. Sounds so early, doesn't it? 9.45. Uh, first, I didn't start back next week because I needed to give you a month to get used to the idea of having to be here before 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And so just prepare. We get back to uh, redistributing the, the newspaper again and get back to uh, getting out and inviting people to church. Just uh, stay involved. Stay involved. And we're going to have that music, the choir meeting. And I really want to talk to the choir about their importance and uh, what, what, what is expected and how, how, how you're part of the service. And, and I'm going to do this with each one of our ministries as we get back into doing what we're doing. And it's good for us to to revisit our responsibility, uh, not just as a church member, but we have a, a position in the church. If you're in the choir, you have a position in the church. If you're an usher, you have a position in the church. You, you're, you're a representative of the work of God. And so, and then we're going to roll out some opportunities, and I want every member to be involved in some sort of ministry. You say, well, well Pastor, I don't know if the choir's for me. If you're, asking, if you're saying that, the choir's probably not for you. Uh, but there are aspects that you can be involved in, so we're going to take advantage over the next few months to start bringing some of these things in, and I want you to be ready to get involved and ready to have a part and uh, be. There's a wonderful thing to be a part of the work of the Lord, a wonderful thing. And uh, some of you, I'm expecting you to volunteer, and some of you, if you don't volunteer, I'm going to draft you uh, into some of these ministries and get you involved, and uh, and uh, so we could be ready in the days ahead to make a difference in the lives of other people. Second uh, Timothy chapter number four. We've we've spent much time recently. In this chapter, we've spent much time through, uh, recently in uh, several of the books that the Apostle Paul has written. We're going to look once again at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We'll read the first seven verses, so follow along with me if you will tonight. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will, not, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have, kept my, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith." Now, there's a lot in these seven verses. There are many messages that I've preached from these seven verses. And in our Wednesday night Bible study, of course, we have uh, found and we have talked about the fact that Paul is coming to the end of his life. He knows he's coming to the end of his life, and he's ready to be offered. He says that crown is waiting for him. We know on Wednesday nights we've talked about it as he goes through this list of people these ministry companions, ministry relationships. And so uh, we are very familiar with this chapter, but I want us to look at one phrase of one verse tonight, 
And I believe it's an important thing for us to be reminded of in, in what the Scripture has for us. Look at verse number 3. I want you to notice this phrase. For the time will come. And then the Apostle Paul mentions several things. I want to take that phrase tonight and use this passage of Scripture and speak on this subject. Preparing for the days ahead. Preparing for the days ahead. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, I pray that you'll uh, help us tonight by the Spirit of God. Instruct us, teach us. Father, may we grab a hold uh, of these truths tonight. May we realize uh, the importance of what is said this evening. I pray that you'll strengthen your people to do your work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For the time will come. We know that this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, his son in the faith, that preacher who he had invested so much in. And he gives Timothy many warnings throughout this letter, throughout this book. And we, we have focused in recent days on Wednesday nights at the very end of this book. Uh, but he has is, he is, he is spoken about many, many important things. And he comes down to the conclusion of the letter, chapter number 4, and he makes, makes this statement. It's a very important statement for us to grab a hold of tonight. For the time will come. Now, I want us to notice several things about this. If we go back to verse number 1 and verse number 2, Paul mentions those things because the time is going to come. There's going to come a time, so he's already reminded him to preach the Word, to be instant in season, out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's verse 2. Why? For the time will come. Paul knew that he was coming to the end of his life. But Paul, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in his life, under his inspiration, writes to Timothy, there's going to be some things that are going to take place. The time will come. Paul could see what was going to take place in the future because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his life. There have always been men of God, there's always been people of God who could look ahead and look through the lens of Scripture and be aware of what is going to come. There have been men, preachers of the previous generation, that used to preach sermons. I remember as a child and as a teenager and even as a young man, sermons of warning of some things that would happen in our very nation. And now decades have passed. They are in glory in what they saw taking place in the future has taken place. You and I need to be reminded this evening that we can look ahead, we can peek ahead. We don't have to be a fortune teller or be able to see the future to be able to look ahead and say, the time will come. And we are told in Scripture, Timothy is instructed, and we get this instruction this evening, to be prepared for the days ahead. Paul knows he's coming to the end of his life. He loves Timothy. He's invested in Timothy. He wants Timothy to be warned of what's going to take place in the future. I think it would do well before we move further into the introduction tonight uh, for me to just state there, everyone, young people especially, but to everyone, uh, your pastor cares about you. Your pastor studies this book, and a lot of what your pastor does is say, you need to be prepared for what's coming ahead. You need to be prepared for what is coming down the road. 
in the Word of God, it helps us be prepared for the days ahead. Uh, Paul predicted what would happen in the future. Paul would have been called an alarmist. You, you find, in, especially in this day we live in, you get an old-time preacher to stand up and, and, and preach uh, prophecy, preach the fact that uh, judgment is going to come. Oh, he's just an alarmist. Oh, there's another one of those conspiracy theorists. Uh, there's one of those uh, getting all worked up and everything. Paul would have been an alarmist. But Paul could see what was going to take place because the Spirit of God had told him. And if you and I listen to the Spirit of God through Scripture, we can be prepared for the days ahead. What did he tell Timothy would happen? He said, uh, by way of introduction to this scene, he said, first of all, people would not endure sound doctrine. I guess Paul was right. Uh, in just a few verses further, he says that he was to keep the faith. Uh, doctrine is under attack. There's pressure on God's people to compromise in doctrine. Uh, you cannot be wrong on doctrine and be a Bible believer. And I'll say more about this in just a little, little, little while. Uh, you need to be careful who you let mess with your doctrine. You need to be careful who you're listening to, because if they're not right doctrinally, uh, I'm a Baptist tonight because of doctrine. I believe what I believe because of Bible doctrine. But Paul was prophetic in his writing to Timothy and prophetic in his, his writing that people would not endure sound doctrine. And we need to be reminded there's a pressure on God's people to compromise in a doctrine. There can be no compromise when it comes to the Word of God. If we're, if we're going if we're gonna to build a building and we're going to decide on a certain color of walls and, some, and the majority of people wants this and that, and, and okay, we'll compromise on that. We want the, the sidewalk to be four feet wide instead of three feet wide, and I'm not going to fight you on that. Oh, Pastor, if we think that we ought to have this kind of tree planted instead of a palm tree, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but instead of a palm tree, okay, I'll, I'll compromise with you on that. But you want to talk about doctrine, there's no compromise. It cannot compromise doctrine, and there's a great pressure to say, well, what's going to take place? And not everybody likes that. Well, we're not supposed to conform to what everybody likes. We're supposed to hold to the doctrine. So people will not endure sound doctrine. You say, Pastor, what do you see in the future? I say in the future, there's people who will not endure sound doctrine. It's not just taking place today, but it's taking place in, it'll take place in the future. He also warned that they would seek teachers who appeal to their flesh. They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers. They don't care about the doctrine because they want to hear what makes their flesh feel good. You're okay. You don't need to change a thing. Man, I like that. That, sound, that sounds good. That doesn't challenge me. They will seek teachers who appeal to their flesh. We like it because it feels good and it does not challenge the way we're living. Paul describes these people as having itching ears. Uh, an itch is a sensation that calls for scratching. It is a constant desire that is difficult to ignore. People want to feel good, so they want preaching or teaching that makes them feel good, not convicted. Do you realize the very purpose of the Word of God is to convict you? 
There, quite frankly, there, there are, there are, I want you to be encouraged every time you come to the house of God. But quite frankly, there ought to be times when we're so convicted by what we hear from the Word of God that we feel so convicted that we've got to do something, do business with God. That's the purpose of it. Uh, they'll turn their ears from the truth. Paul warns and says... It's going to come. You need to be prepared for when it comes that uh, they will turn away from the truth and their turn from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Uh, in 1 Timothy 4 7, Paul warns Timothy to refuse profane and old wives' fables. fables. A fable is a story to teach the truth. It can also be a story that teaches a lie. A fable is not true. And there are many today that are falling for fables rather than truth. It's amazing today, is it any wonder that you just take any news source you want and whatever is said, there's so many that just are gullible and believe what is said? Well, why do they do that? They hear the news story on Monday... And it can be just a blatant mistruth, and they, and they fall for it. Why is our nation so easily deceived? Well, the same thing happens to them on Sunday morning. They listen to fables, and they believe them. See, where you go to church is important. What you get at church is important. And if you spend your Sundays being lied to and given fables when the Spirit of God inside of you tells you that, well, that's got to be true. That's got to be, I know it's true. No wonder we're deceived as a nation. They'll be turned unto fables. They tell stories and people turn to those stories because it appeals to their flesh. Preaching is a spiritual exercise. As a preacher, there's a way that we are to preach the Bible speaks of, once in a while, elevating the level of your voice. Uh, if you don't believe what you're saying, uh, you're probably not going to be very convincing, convincing in, in saying it. But to share or to just tell a story through our experiences or to pull out truths from the Andy Griffith show and share those great principles with you. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy and says that there's going to be some that are turned into fables. He warns him to be prepared because the time will come. I'm afraid that many churches have fallen by the wayside because they were not prepared for the time that would come. I'm afraid sometimes throughout history, and maybe there's some even among us, that they were not prepared for the time that was going to come. The Bible tells us not to be ignorant of Satan's devices because we're told how he's going to come at us, and yet we don't prepare for how he'll come at us. The same is true when it comes to the faith. The same is true when it comes for the local church. 
The same is true when it comes to doctrine. The same is true. Why do you need doctrine? You need doctrine to be built up in the faith so that you can win, help win the lost. A church that is not strong doctrinally is not a church that's going to win the lost. We need that doctrine to propagate that truth so the gospel stays pure from one generation to another. But I'm afraid oftentimes we read through all of these things and we, we miss the fact that we're warned the time will come. If the time is coming, we need to be looking for it. If the time is coming, we need to be prepared for it. We are facing in our nation today that which we were warned about a generation ago. But we did nothing to prepare for it. We've done very little as a nation to be ready for what we told would happen if we took the Bible out of our schools. We did little in our churches to propagate the gospel, and we've not pushed more in our soul-winning efforts. We've pulled back in our soul-winning efforts, and we've been told the time will come. I bring this message tonight so that we take a peek for the time that will come. There are some who hold to the things of truth today that will give it up. The time will come. There are those who will not endure the sound doctrine. There are those that just won't, they're, they're itching ears to be scratched and tickled. They turn away from the truth unto fables. The time is going to come. I can look at things that are taking place in our nation today, and I think I could make some pretty close predictions of some things that are going to take place in the future, but what are we to do? Paul is coming to the end of his life. He writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, you need to be warned. The time is going to come. He was concerned that after he was gone, Timothy would be aware of what is going to come. So, Pastor, if all of these things are going to take place, and he tells him what is going to happen, uh, what was Timothy to do about it? We need to look very carefully at Paul's response to what Timothy should do when that time comes. And tonight is what I want us to see. It's the same thing we are to do when the time comes. See, the mission of the church, the mission of God's people does not change based on whether or not the world wants it. And even in our Baptist churches, I, can understand, I cannot understand how we're falling for this. You're not supposed to change how you preach, what you preach, because there are some that won't endure it. That doesn't change. You don't change how you do church. You don't change the style of your songs. You don't change the, the, the type of atmosphere because it appeals more to the world. That's what the world wants that's not what we are to do. We are to stay with the truth. And so I want to remind us tonight what Paul reminded Timothy, be prepared. Say, so, Pastor, what's going to happen in the future? I, I could make some predictions, but I, only God knows. But I want us to be prepared for when the time does come. I want us to be 
doing what we are supposed to do. Paul knew the direction that people would take. He saw it was coming and wanted to prepare Timothy for the days ahead. Now, let's look into what Paul told Timothy to do as his warning to what he could see coming. I think tonight it would do us well as a Christian, as a church, as a people, to look at the warnings that Paul left in the time when the, the future that's going to come. The time will come. And friend, the time is here and the time is going to come when, whether it's in this generation or the next, and you can see hints of it, when, when, when the kind of preaching that's been done tonight uh, will be rejected. Uh, the Word of God, they're, they're, they're burning Bibles in our nation. We've moved from burning the flag to burning Bibles. In the United States of America, in, I bet we never imagined that when we kicked the Bibles out of the public school. Imagine that. A generation later, they're burning Bibles in our nation. The time is going to come. So what do we do? It's right here in the Word of God. Let's see, number one, what Paul, how Paul... I'm bringing this message tonight because we are not backing up. We're not changing course. Our theme is, is not going to be, well, we're just going to hang on till Jesus comes. See, Pastor, do you believe He's coming? Oh, I believe He's coming. I believe His return is imminent. That's why there ought to be more pressure on us to be about the Father's business, for the time is coming when no man can work. And we should be working in the days that we get closer to Christ's return. We're pressing forward. We're pushing forward. We're not going to pull back. So we need to be ready when that time comes. What does Paul say? He says in verse number 5, But watch thou in all things. This is a warning. Basically, Paul is saying, pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Pay attention to the truth. Pay attention to what is right. And I would say to us as a church tonight, pay attention. I would say to all of us as Christians tonight, pay attention. Well, Pastor, what? I think I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention to, I watch, I watch the news, I get all this on my app, I, get, I do all this. I'm paying, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Pay attention to what influences you. You know that every book that calls itself Christian is a good influence? Pay attention. I, I know a lot of preachers who went to the same Bible college I went to that are doctrinally wrong. What happened? They read a Christian book that conflicted with the Bible, and they went with the book instead of the Bible. And, I, and I'll just say it and not even apologize for it. Uh, a lot of homes are changed in their theology by the wife. No Bible believe, no Christian lady should be reading Beth Moore. Let me say that again to make sure it resonates completely with everyone. No Christian, 
I'm going to say lady because I couldn't imagine a man, although I hear some espousing the same theology now, nowadays, should read Beth Moore. Or anyone in the same, anyone in the same group as her. She is a heretic. Well, I get, I get some inspiration from her. Watch thou in all things. You're being an alarmist, Pastor. What we're just told, the time is going to come when doctrine is going to be attacked. We've just been told that some, our flesh is going to appeal to a teacher. Well, I just... I just, I'm going to plow this just for a moment. Well, I, I just feel better with a, with a woman giving me the Bible truths. That's not Scripture. That's not Bible. Nowhere in the Word of God will you find a woman preacher. Matter of fact, nowhere in the Bible will you find permission for the woman to be the spiritual leader of the home. It's out of God's order. Now, if, if, if the husband won't step up and lead spiritually, you as a wife, you as a mother, you be close to God. You give your children what you can give them. But it's God's plan for the man to be the spiritual leader of the home. Check it out. It's in the Scripture. When, the, when Satan tempted Eve, Adam was there. Adam didn't guard his wife. It's, it's, you have a pastor... Well, I just, I just like it better when it comes from a softer perspective. You just don't like the truth. You don't like God's plan. Well, I just feel like that needs to be said every once in a while. Pay attention. Pay attention to what you let influence you. And I'll just say this, just like God's plan is for there to be a not just a male to pastor the church, a man to pastor the church. You need to be careful what influences you on the internet. Your pastor is not on the internet. Your pastor is the shepherd, the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Well, I heard this guy on the internet. I don't care what some guy said on the internet. I don't care what some guy's spouse on YouTube. And there's a lot of Christians who their homes are being subverted and destroyed. And by the way, another man in another state pastoring the church, if he comes to you through social media or some other regards, he is a wolf. And if there's a pastor from another place, and I don't know of any tonight, I just know how these things work, who, who, who likes to communicate with the flock here, I only know of one thing that, it, that you do to take care of a wolf. And, and it's not coddling. See, Pastor, why are, you, why, are you, why are you saying? Because we're to watch in all things. Watch in all things. You need to be careful with Christian, so-called Christian television, so-called Christian radio. Watch thou in all things. Men, watch what goes on in your home. Watch the influence that takes place in your home. Parents, watch the influence that your children are under. 
Because we're to watch them. Why? Because the time is coming. We need to be prepared for that which will influence us. Guard yourself. Watch yourself. Second admonition he gives, I'll move on from that one, is to endure afflictions. You say, Pastor, we just did that. Well, that's not what he's talking about. Endure afflictions. Paul, it just, I am going back up. It just bothers me when the people of this church invest in the lives of someone. And somebody who hasn't even prayed a prayer over that individual wants to subvert a pastor, wants to subvert all those who've invested in their life. I don't care if you have pastor in front of your name. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what intention you say you have. I don't have any respect for you if you'll subvert all the Sunday school lessons, all the prayers, all the influence, all the times taken to teen activities, all the sacrifice, all the special offerings taken for different projects in Bible college and mission trips and all those things. I don't have any respect. Watch, be careful. Watch in all things. Watch who influences you. Watch who gets your ear. I believe this. I believe that if we have the Spirit of God that dwells within us, and if you're saved tonight, you do. And if we preach from this book, which we do, we hold to this book, and we operate in the scriptural structure of the church with the pastor and the congregation, you and I are going to end up on the same page. Unless... Somebody else in your ear. This is not in my notes tonight, so I just feel like maybe we just be a good time to say it. If there's a friend that gets in between you and your pastor, they're not a friend, they're a snake. If there's a family member that gets in between you and your pastor, they're not your friend, they're not trying to help you, they're trying to subvert you from having the things of God. If there's another pastor, evangelist, whatever you want to call them, that gets in between you and your pastor, they do not have your good intentions in mind. They have their own. Endure afflictions. Let's get back to that. Paul said that the time would come when people would not endure sound doctrine. Remember that in verse 3? What causes people not to endure? I know what you, some, of, some will be saying tonight. I said it as a younger man. Man, there's no way I give up my doctrine. I say it again tonight. There's no way I'll give up my doctrine. We have young men here who are called to preach. We have a lot of preachers in our ministry. There's no way I'm giving up my doctrine. Well, how in the world could Satan get me to give up my doctrine? Afflictions. Let's see you hold that doctrine when you're afflicted for having that doctrine. I praise God it hasn't gotten to this, but let's tie you to that stake. And see that flame lit. And see if you give up that doctrine. Let's see you taken and beaten as the Apostle Paul was beaten 
and admonished, don't speak his name again. Don't preach in his name again. See how quick you get back to the, the, the street and we have the account in Scripture of the Apostle Paul and those others preaching in his name. They weren't giving up their doctrine because of afflictions. Paul said the time would come when people would not endure sound doctrine. What causes people not to endure is the persecution that often accompanies sound doctrine. If we're going to be doctrinally pure, the world is going to reject. I know of, I know of men who've led their churches in a softer position away from doctrine because they couldn't handle being that preacher in town. I can't... I'm not, I, don't, I can't handle being the only pastor in town excluded from the, from the preacher's fellowship. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't handle being, it's affliction. But hold on. You might be the only one in your family who believes this book for what this book is. If you're not careful, you'll get tired of being the weird ones. You were born that way. You can't help that. But in the spiritual context, why are your kids always different? Why can't your kids go with their cousins? You think they're better than them? Truthfully, yes. But besides that, I have to... Watch in all things, even amongst Bible believers, even amongst Baptists. You take a stand for what you believe is doctrine, you'll face it from the brethren. He said, Timothy, it's coming. What are we to do? Endure afflictions. Number three, what else did he say? He said, do the work of an evangelist. Please Please, please do not miss this principle. Do not miss this truth. As we see Paul speaking about finishing the course, the purpose of our faith is to carry out the Great Commission's work. There's too many today that think that knowing about my faith is the goal. We have our faith so we can fulfill the Great Commission. Paul told Timothy not to become so enamored by learning that he forgot his purpose. His purpose was to do the work of evangelizing the world with the gospel. Part of my responsibility as your pastor is to give instruction in the Word of God. Not so we just know what the Bible says so that we can go out and reach the world with the gospel. The, his purpose was to do the work of evangelizing the world with the gospel. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Now, I want to mention some things here because I want to be clarified in our mind. The word evangelist, the, the meaning has been changed in our day. That is not saying that you need to get you a bus and go fill you a calendar with full of speaking engagements all across the country. Do the work of an evangelist. That is talking about evangelizing. So that's not a command for me. It's a command for all of us. He says the time is going to come. But 
people are going to fall further away from the truth. Well, what are we to do? The work of an evangelist. We're supposed to reach the lost with the gospel. Now, and I'm not saying I'm against those that call themselves evangelists, but a more appropriate title would be a revivalist. And I'm going to mention this because we hear so much because of what's going on in our nation today. We need revival. We need revival. We need revival. Let me tell you how we could have revival. If every Christian of every local church would say, I'm just going to do the work of an evangelist. And I'm going to evangelize. And I'm going to win those around me with the gospel. We would have revival in our nation. Now, if that's what God leads somebody into doing, or they feel like that's their ministry, that's fine. But that is not what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, do the work of an evangelist. Win people to Christ. If we did that as churches, we would have revival in our church. Some of you, let me tell you the quickest way for you to get spiritually alive again. Go win somebody to Christ. Well, I just don't feel like... Go tell somebody about, about how Jesus died on the cross for them. It'd do something for you. That, that's the greatest feeling in the world. He says, the time's going to come. You need to prepare for the days ahead. How you prepare is you evangelize. You know, this church is very blessed. As we press forward... You know, Satan's not going to be happy about us pressing forward. Satan's not going to be happy as we aggressively try and reach the people around us with the gospel. This world is going to get further and further away from the truth. It's going to happen. If we're going to prepare for the days ahead, what are we supposed to do? Don't get away from the Great Commission. We've got to do more of it. It's a sobering thought, now that I've gotten to this place in my life, not just to think about the world my kids grow up in, but the, the world my grandkids are going to grow up in. And some of you, you have babies in that nursery. I want you to listen to me. This Bible tells us what's going to happen in the future. And the closer we get to Christ's return, the worse this world's going to be. So I'm afraid of the world my kids are going to grow up in. But then you might want to decide to be a soul winner. You might want to decide to get involved in the ministry of the local church. That's what the Bible says. Prepare for the days ahead. Watch. Do the work of an evangelist. Well, one day, I just, I just don't know what's going to happen in this world. What can I do about it? Be concerned about lost souls being saved. I, I'm just going to throw it out there. This church for decades has been an aggressive soul-winning church. But we've seen nothing yet. So get ready. If we're going to prepare for the days ahead, we have got to say, I'm going to do my part. And what am I to do? When people with the gospel. Well, are we going to organize some groups together to, to try and get out the vote? No, there's too many others that aren't concerned about souls that are doing that. We're going to go win people with the gospel. We're going to go reach the lost so that they might be saved. 
What, 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 are we going to neglect? No, we're going to do what the Bible says in the days ahead. What are we to do? Do the work of an evangelist. As an American, I want to see my nation. Okay, let me tell you how to help America. I love America. Don't you love America? I don't like the direction it's going. Do you? No. So what do we need to do about it? Go win somebody to Christ. And I've just got a philosophy. I don't have to have a trunk rally on Sunday morning. But if we win enough people and they start growing in this book, something tells me they'll start voting in line with what this book says. So the devil has distracted us with something that's not necessarily a bad thing from the main thing. And we're to do the work of an evangelist. Number four, he says, make full proof of thy ministry. Now, as I've been teaching you on Wednesday night, if you've been awake during that time, I've been saying every week and reminding us that how we're all in the ministry. We are all to be involved in the work of the local church. That's the ministry. Uh, the ladies that are keeping the nursery tonight, they're in the ministry. The, the ushers that open the doors, they're in the ministry. Uh, we're all in the ministry. If you, we're in a ministry, so I don't do any of that. Well, hopefully you're in the ministry of prayer. We have all different things. We're supposed to serve in the ministry. And he tells Timothy, be prepared for what's going to come. Make full proof of thy ministry. Now, the, Paul's use of the word full reminds us that it's just more than one thing. So what is full proof of the ministry? I believe it's found in verse number 7. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I believe it is summed up in what Paul mentions, as we refer to often as Paul's last words. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. If you and I can say that, I would say that makes full proof of our ministry. You and I need to decide tonight that we're going to fight a good fight. You know, you, you should fight for your marriage. You should fight for your home. You should fight for your children. You should fight for your grandchildren. You should fight for your nation. You should fight for your church. It's okay to fight the devil. It's okay to fight sin. It's okay to fight the things that would destroy us. We need to fight a good fight. We need to finish our course. Determine, 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 determine. You're going to finish. You're going to finish. Uh, even if you've got to be drug over the finish line, you finish. Finish. Keep the faith. How do I keep the faith? Well, you, you, you end with the same doctrine as you have now. You, you keep, you don't give it up. See, the great truth here, this is a, another wonderful testimony to the Apostle Paul. In my mind, as I considered, for, for years as I considered the fact that in 2 Timothy 4, Paul knows. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
He knows his, his life is coming to an end. It's easy for us to read from verse 7 to verse 8, and he speaks of that crown that's waiting for him. But I know in my case, I've missed it. Paul's coming to the end of his life, and because of that crown, we think Paul's looking ahead. But Paul's not looking ahead. Paul's looking back. Evidence is by the names that he mentions that we're studying on Wednesday night. Evidence is he reflects on the fact that he's fought the good fight. That he's finished his course. He's kept the faith. But don't miss this. He's looking back to those he's won, the Christ. And he's addressing some concerns so that they can finish. And there, there's something that you and I need to be warned of because we can live enough of our life and we can be a Christian long enough that we're just looking ahead to enjoying the benefits of being faithful and there are benefits of being faithful. If we're not careful, we can get to the place and say, I've fought my fights already. I've made my sacrifices already. And I'm going to enjoy these years in my Christian life. And that's why, as I, as I admonished the, the younger folks in our church just a moment ago, if you really want a future for your ch children and your grandchildren one day, win somebody to Christ, get involved in the things of the church, sacrifice for the cause of Christ. That's the greatest thing for you to do. But likewise, you generation that has done that, you've reared your children. You, you're in that, that, that later stage of life, and you can say, hey, I've kept the faith. Why don't we follow the example of the Apostle Paul? And he's not just looking ahead. He's looking back. And he's concerned with Timothy being faithful. It'd do us well tonight. Take a look back. Those that have lived enough life that they can look back. Those that have fought battles. Those that have kept the faith. You might not have completely finished your course yet. But you're down the road in your course. Don't be so anxious looking towards that crown that you don't forget that there's people coming behind you. And the Apostle Paul was concerned that his convert would continue going. Because isn't it true for the child of God that if you were to die tonight, everything in your bank account would still be in that bank account in the morning? Everything you've achieved in life isn't going with you. But what was Paul leaving behind? Paul wasn't leaving behind riches. Paul was leaving behind people. Investment. And the world would call Paul a pauper. But as far as heaven was concerned... Paul was a wealthy man because he had invested his life into other people. Let's not get to the mindset where we say, hey, I've, I fought my battles. Oh, there's somebody coming behind us. I, I'm thankful for those of you that have been here for not years and decades, and, and you've given and you've been faithful, and, and you've been there through the high times, the low times. You have done all of that. Let, don't forget, if you're still breathing, God's still got something for you. If you're still here, there's another battle to fight. 
If you're still here, there's another, there's another, there's another uh, victory to be won. It's not time to, to, to pack it in yet. There's some coming behind you. Don't you want to make sure that they see it all the way through? Don't you want to make sure that, that they finish their course? Don't pack it in yet. There's a Timothy that needs to be reminded. There's a Timothy that needs to see an example. And likewise, those that are coming, following. Let's heed the instruction of the Apostle Paul tonight. Because we've got to be prepared for what comes. How do we do it? Well, we've been given an, an admonishment tonight. Watch, endure, do the work of an evangelist. Hey, let's be faithful right to the end. Father, help us tonight to heed these